What's up, everybody? This is JJ, and we got Addison on. What's up, my man? What's up, JJ? How you doing, man? Good, man. So, fun fact, we were actually just talking about it on the pre-call, and I thought, hey, this is a good intro. I'm actually from Franklin. Uh, really? So, I'm, yeah, I know it's a little mecca now for you know all the nonprofits and the Christian leaders and people evading California taxes. Uh, That's pretty much what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so you guys have been there now for how long? Eighteen months. So it, okay. it feels it feels like I'm lying when I tell people because they ask you where you where are you from, and I feel like I have to give this disclaimer when I tell them I'm from Franklin because I don't really feel like I'm from Franklin. I've only been here for a year <laughs> and a half. So, so yeah. yeah, I mean at this point it's kind of like you're an anomaly if you're from Franklin, and you know you can introduce yourself because we've had so many people, but. It really is. So I used to have like a disdain for it, but it really is like a amazing place to have like a headquarter, you know, it is a lot from it is. There's a lot of good people here and it's across industries, across spaces. There's a lot of collaboration. Uh, so we've we've enjoyed being here. We moved from Colorado. Colorado's not a bad place to live either. So I feel like I've lived in two of the best places. I know. Right. Two of the hottest places. And were you guys in Colorado Springs? We were. Colorado Springs. Yeah. And yeah. that was like the old headquarters for all the nonprofits, right? <laughs> Bro, you're, it's so true. <laughs> it's, and, and there are still a good number of nonprofits in Colorado Springs, but you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's that pre, uh, previous generation of nonprofit that's still in Colorado Springs. Yes. And yeah. Now all the new and cool ones have gone to Franklin. Is that right? Uh, I, I mean, that sounds so bad, but I mean, there's, there's a bit of truth to what you just said. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you For sure. with it. Well, fun fact, you know, we do talk about this publicly. I, I think just because that's where I'm from and we have family there, we could definitely see ourselves moving to Franklin in a couple of years. It's just, I don't know, man. I used to be very like disattached to Southern California, but every day you live here, it's like, well, it's kind of hard to leave. I'm not going to lie. You get it, huh? You, you've been indoctrinated uh-huh. into the beauty of California. That's a thing. Every time I go out there, I'm like, this place is special. So I get it. I get <laughs> it. We have visitors. They're like, should we move here? I'm like, yeah. huh? that's not the worst idea. But hey, man, I just want to say, and I told you on the pre-call, Kate thinks a world of you. I think this mm. is a super exciting episode today. I actually, fun fact, listened to your episode with Julie uh, when you guys came on. I think, what wow. was that? A couple of years ago? Uh, yeah. Talking about your See, story. Probably four or five years ago. I mean, that was a while ago. <laughs> Yeah. So funny. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but I know at least for Kate, she was listening in the background, just like with a facepalm, like I was so bad at interviewing. So I think <laughs> the bar was set low for everyone. Now I'm just kidding. You did a great job. And I told Kate, obviously she did a wonderful job as well. And what I love about that is actually, um, and what we're going to be talking about today and where I kind of want to steer the conversation is really this process of discerning God's voice. Mm. right and and prayer and uh one thing that really stuck out to me that we can kick off with is it was pretty clear what you talked about and most people listening to this are single was you felt pretty clearly from god even though that she wasn't a believer at the time that (laughs) you had peace about her as the person that you were supposed to pursue in that moment yeah and so what did that look like for you and and dating, is that something that you recommend to single people as far as seeking God's voice and, and who they pursue? 
Yeah, I mean, I in, in words with God, I, I write about peace and, and the idea of peace. And I make the statement that peace isn't having all of the answers. It's being in tune with the answer. And there are there are times when God's going to take you places and ask you to do things that just don't make sense. Um, they they transcend conventional wisdom. And and what I have found is that peace that does surpass understanding. It's a really good litmus test when you're navigating those moments and those seasons because it's hard to counterfeit peace. I mean, it really that's that's a tough thing. I mean. Maybe some people can find a way to do it, but come on, like at the end of the day, you either have it or you don't. Um, and I think one of the reasons why, when it comes to like big decisions and we're looking to God for answers, God's saying like, Hey, I, I want you to actually discover what's behind the answer. Because if you discover what's behind the answer, you're going to be able to navigate whatever I tell you, whatever I give to you. Mm-hmm. And so when we're seeking God and, and we're met with what feels like silence, I believe that's not a rejection. I believe that's actually an invitation to a new way of knowing and a new way of engaging with God and being led by God and having words with God that reveals things about ourselves, about our situation, and about God that we previously didn't know or understand. You know, I love that. And one of the quotes that I've heard you use is prayer is actually not just about the invitation to have a conversation. It's about the struggle, right? Yes, yes. It is. So when when you drop that bombshell, great tagline, by the way. I love it. <laughs> That's you. like built for an Instagram you know, post and an aesthetic background to post on my story. Could you unpack that a little bit? Like, that's not something that I heard growing up in church. Yeah. I mean, when, when we really dive into what, what prayer is, we, we discover it's not this transactional opportunity to get what we need from God. Now, do we engage with God? Do we make requests through prayer? All of those, all those things, 100%. But prayer is an invitation in, into intimacy with the person of God and how God reveals himself through purpose, through relationships in this world. And, and that's terrifying, if we're honest, because God is so much more than what we are. And and there are there are moments, there are times in that journey where it it feels like a struggle because we have this temptation to make God the slave of our desires, the slave of our whims. Yep. And that's a real struggle. And, and I went through a season where I had five years of insomnia. Actually, it would when uh when I did that interview with Kate, it would have been right at the very end of that season. Five years of insomnia. And I remember in this season, JJ, I was crying out to God. And I was doing the, the quote unquote things you should do in prayer. And God showed me something in that season said, Hey, Addison, I won't deliver you from a thing if that thing delivers you to me. And it hit me. I was like, wow, I view prayer as a mechanism to get whatever it is I think I need to get. But the reality is prayer is the invitation to be known by God and to know him. Wow. This is so much bigger than I thought it was. Dude, that just blew me away. Is so mate, and and the question I would ask you, and it's a hard question, is if we're being a little bit more blunt about that seeking God to fix our problem, how do, would you just say that's like outright? Yeah. That's just like our pride and control just surfacing, right, in our life and seeking God's voice or quote unquote seeking God's voice, right, and impacting that process of truly listening. Yeah, I, I, listen, we're told very clearly in scripture to to contend to ask to be specific if you look at jesus's moment in the garden his moment of great need 
he embodied three dimensions of prayer that we have to embody in prayer. Number one, he was specific. He said, if there's any way, any way this cup can pass, please let it pass. Number two, he was steadfast. He went at it. He went after it three times, right? He's praying. He's asking his friends, y'all pray with me. I need your support. Can't you stay awake? Like, please pray with me. But number three, he was surrendered. Not my will, but yours be done. Now, when it comes to prayer, we get to bring all of these, the specificity, the surrender, and also the steadfastness mm-hmm. to the center of what it is to contend with God. And and we and JJ, this is something that's so profound that's like wrecked me. But the reality is faith is is discovered or understood or matured in us as we move through doubt. As we let go of these ideas of God, we exchange our mechanisms for God, our ideas of God, for the reality of who God is. And that's why so much of prayer leads us into this silent surrender. Like we think of prayer as just moving our lips and saying things, but so much of prayer is learning to surrender in silence to the beauty, to the goodness, to the wonder of God. And there are things, there are words, JJ, that only form in silence. There There are truths that bubble up from the depths of who we are that can only bubble up in silence. And that's why prayer so often leads us into silence. So prayer is not so much about the conversation with God and the, like I'm talking to you right now. It's actually about the ushering into God and the the surrender of it and the struggle of it. Would you say that's right? Oh, I, I mean, I would say it certainly includes having conversation with God, but it's so much more than the things that we say to God. There's a reason why Paul in places like 1 Thessalonians 5 and Romans 12 talks about this idea of praying constantly. If praying constantly looked like just saying things to God, come on, like what, what is that? Like, that's ridiculous. That, what kind of relationship would be healthy? I mean, let's talk relationships here. If one person just did this the whole time, the majority of prayer is being, being receptive, being open, um, moving in and through life with someone in tune with that person. That's what makes relationships meaningful. And so the way I, I define it like this, because a lot of people, they think of prayer as a holy chore, right? Like a holy bore that they're really bad at. Like I'm bad at prayer and I probably should be a lot better at prayer. So I don't want to tell people that I'm bad at prayer. Right. But then what we actually talk about is like a lot of us have missed out on prayer because we're aiming for the wrong mark. And this is this is a simple way I, I would explain it. And again, like I spent an entire book bringing people into the relational dynamics of what it is to have words with God. But just to simplify, prayer isn't another thing to do. It's the thing that brings everything that we do together. Yes, yes, because exactly because when Paul says, "And everything you do, pray without ceasing," you think about this. If my definition of prayer is only at 7 a.m. when I wake up and get on my hands and knees, you know, and pray in my prayer closet. What about the other 18 hours and 35 minutes of the day that I'm not doing that? Right? Right. Right. What What happened? Like, does God not want to commune with us? Does he not want to have words with us in those moments? Yeah. As soon as I end this conversation with you, I'm not talking to Addison anymore, right, for the rest of the day. And so if my definition of prayer is just a strictly two-way conversation, even for a Christian to mature to the point where their prayer life is a majority of listening and submission instead of just, you know, declaring and asking is yeah. a great point. But even then, so what you're saying is 
we're inviting God into the rest of our day. We're, I love this word, prostrate. Like we're prostrating ourselves in every decision and inviting. Would you say there's an active decision to just invite God in into our world? big decisions and small. Absolutely. And I would say as we do that, the big decisions start to feel a lot less big. The, the, the reason why, like when I, when I, even when I got made, like some of the biggest decisions of my life were actually the easiest decisions for me. And in those seasons, I, I was living in a way where there was this, I was just in tune with what the spirit was doing. And I was able to respond because I was moving and rest. And when we bring rest and stillness and surrender into our activity, we have clarity. We know what to do, when to do it, why to do it, how to do it. It's when we bring this frantic inaction into our day, this frenzied hustle that is caused by the disintegration of our sense of self. That's why prayer is is integrative. It brings the parts of us back together so we understand, first and foremost, who God is, who we are, what that means for our world as we engage people relationships and we commit ourselves to purpose and all that kind of stuff. So to your point, I would say prayer isn't this problem, like this transactional problem or this formula to solve at the right time in the right places and the right way. It's an experience to share. And that moves as we move with God and with others. And that's why even if you look at the Lord's Prayer, which is not a formula, it's a framework. Yes. If we think of it as a formula, it's not a formula, it's a framework. Yeah. Right? Like it's it teaches us like this, these are the movements of prayer. Like find yourself within these movements. Let your prayer resemble this pattern. What orientation do we pray in? Our Father. Forgive us our sins. It's communal. Yep. It's relational. It's collective. Exactly. So I love that thought. And you know, one of my favorite parts about the Lord's prayer is <laughs> this is the son of God. You know, I'm, are you a football fan? I am. Okay. Me too, man. So I'm like, I'm a Bama fan. I'm a Titans fan. You're like I'm all down in the South, you know, loving football, <laughs> but like, and I played quarterback in college and over in Europe. Okay. So if I had somebody like Tom Brady and Nick Saban, you know, in the room with me and they're giving me advice about how to play quarterback, like you bet yeah. I'm going to be like listening to everywhere, recording that, you know, rewinding it, playing it as I sleep. Cause they're just giving me instruction because of all the experience. Yeah. And what I love about the Lord's prayer and what you just said is this is the son of God teaching us how to pray. He doesn't need this advice for himself. <laughs> He's saying, gather around young disciples. If I had to teach you how to pray yeah. and give you a structure and I love, and I kind of want to double click the difference between a formula and a framework is saying like, don't copy me exactly, but this is the ingredients to a prayer that honors God and seeks him. And in the same yeah. light of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, you know, giving me that advice, like this is the son of God giving us instruction on how to pray. Like you best believe this is the go-to source and framework. So would you say we're just so accustomed to looking for formulas, especially maybe as like, I would say as men, what we see is like, we want that practical Tim Keller, one, two, three structured sermon versus a framework for us to explore and dwell in. Yeah. I mean, the challenge, listen, formulas are, are great for what they are, but, but when we start moving into, into the, the dime dynamism and the just the reality of who people are and how they move and how they shape and seasons and change and all that i think principles are more important 
than formulas, right? And principles offer frameworks. Yeah. And so Jesus was reluctant to give anything that seemed like a formula. If you go through the gospels, you will not find him handing out formulas. He'll say, hey, love God, love people. And it's like, okay, how do we put that into a formula? Like, it's very like, you have to wrestle with that and contextualize it. And he's like, so the so you have the the lawyer and then the scribes be like, so who who is my neighbor? Yeah. And Jesus tells him a story. And he's like, hey, which one of these, which one of these was a neighbor? You know, like he had, he was masterful. So the Lord's prayer is dangerously close to a formula in how we perceive it and engage with it. But if you really understand what Jesus is doing there, and unfortunately, we've used it as a formula within Christendom. But what he's doing is he's actually giving us a framework. He's saying, hey, these are the movements. And if you study the sequence of the Lord's Prayer, it is the perfect sequence for prayer. You start with this our father orientation. There's safety. There's provision. There's protection. He's tender. He's good. But then he's also holy. Hallowed is, is his name. He's powerful. He's almighty. His name is the name above every other name. And you're holding those two things together and you're praying into both of them. And you're like, how are you both of these? And then, then you move into his kingdom and his will. And after understanding that and, and moving through the spaciousness and the promise and the largeness of who he is, then our request for bread and forgiveness and our temptations, our trials, they start to take on the right form in light of who he is and what he's promised to us. Yeah, amen, amen in that perspective. And you point to the Psalms quite frequently, which I love, you know, the man after God's own heart, where half to two thirds of his entire book is just lamenting yes. right before God and prostrating himself. But it's so funny, you read the Psalms and even the ones where he is, right, on the run for his life and lamenting, like, God, you promised me a, a crown, and here I am in a cave being hunted, Yeah, but you are good. And two-thirds of that book or that chapter or that psalm is just like, he's just dwelling in the sovereignty of God. Yes. And then he approaches the problem. That's right. That's right. And like Psalm 142, David says, I, I lay out my complaints before you. He's like laying them out. He's like, look, here they are. But then he goes on to say, you are the God who answers prayer. And, and it's, that, it's that tension that is incredibly meaningful within relationship where we move to understand each other and trust each other and know each other. If you stay away from that, from a relational sense, even with a spouse, with you know someone who you care for, if you stay away from those places where you really get to know each other because you're moving into the tension and the fears represented by that relationship and within that relationship, man, you're, you're missing out on so much goodness and connection and intimacy that God has for you. So, yeah. I, I, and I love that. I think God gives us that choice, right. Of inviting him. You know, I, I always thought it was hilarious, but the more you think about it, that God is a gentleman and he waits for the invite. You know, this is God of the universe. He can make himself known if he really wanted to, right? But somehow he still gives us the choice. So yeah. to bring it back to dating and singles, first of all, my question for you is if, if I'm a person listening to this right now, regardless of my relationship status, and I told you, hey, Addison, like, that's me. I'm really, really caught. And like, I get my morning prayers in, my evening prayers. I'm a good little boy. <laughs> I'm a good little Christian girl. But I just get so busy <laughs> and caught up in the day-to-day, -day, just frenzy, where should I just even start? Like, I'm going to buy yeah. words with God, but where should I start to like start to invite? Should I set reminders on my phone on like an hourly basis to like just ping me to stop and pause? Like, yeah. how should I go about 
changing my day? Yeah, that's that's a great great question. I give a lot of you know I'm I'm dogging on formulas a bit, but I give a lot of tools and a lot of frameworks within this book that are practical that help people trade boring, empty prayer for that real connection, that constant connection that help us live from that place of connection. But I'm, I'll call out one here, one very practical one here. Um, there's a whole chapter on this, and it's a prayer that um, God gave me actually in my season of um, insomnia. That was also for me a season of confusion as far as purpose and some other things in my life. And it's a really simple prayer, three words, I am here. And I pray this prayer throughout the day and it, it, it centers me wherever I am. It centers me. And there's three dimensions to this prayer. And I, I want, I want y'all to hear these because these will be very meaningful for you in your journey and help place you as far as your journey goes right here in the present, which is where you can live, which is where you can act, which is where you can make decisions is in this present moment. So number one, I am here. I am not God. I can't be here and somewhere else. JJ, I'm here with you right now. That's it. So I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to be in this moment. I'm going to be present to the presence, present to your presence as a person, and also present to the presence of God that is in this moment, right? So I am here. That's the first dimension. Second dimension, I am here. I'm not where I once was, and I'm not where I'm going to be. I'm here today. I'm right here. And I'm not going to allow the accuser to come in and steal this moment through accusation, through condemnation, through shame, steal what this moment has for me by trying to distract me by what has been or what will be. I'm going to be in this moment. Now, some of you who are like, Addison, but what about foresight? What about planning? I mean, just this is what Jesus get at in Matthew 6. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. He's saying, if you are intimate with the day, if you see the day for what it is, if you are living with eyes wide open in the day, you will see the future through the day. You will get the foresight that only comes with insight. You will know what to do going forward that actually moves into your day today. All right, so that's the second part. It's this idea of I am here. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I'm going to be. I'm right here in this moment. And the third dimension is I am. The great I am is here. The presence of God is is here. He has promised not to leave me. He has promised not to forsake me. He is here. So what I'll do, JJ, when I'm feeling that, like when I my heart is racing, when I feel overwhelmed by decision, by opportunity, by struggle, whatever it is, I take a deep breath, take another one, and I just breathe out. I am here. And I'll and I'll just pray that. It's a centering prayer. I'll just pray that until those three realities that I'm right here, I can't be anywhere else, that I'm right here in my development as a person, I'm not where I was, I'm not where I'm gonna be, and that God has promised to be here with me. That's something that helps me re-engage the moment and make whatever decision I need to make or do whatever I need to do or release whatever I need to release. Man, I, I was, you were ministering to me, like all jokes aside, not just like, um, you know, to be funny doing an wow. interview, like that even in that moment was just ministering to me you know, and giving me those, that Holy Spirit presence of like, oh, I am here. I am here. And I love the, it's almost like an escalation. Like I'm present, you know, reminding me of Isaiah, like here am I before you presenting myself. Then I am here, not in the future. Yes. It's not about yes. the control, right. And playing God and worrying or about the past and my condemnation. And then I love, it's just like, like roller coaster of escalation 
and here I am before the the great I am. <laughs> and truly, any sense and grip on the taste of his presence just truly just floors everything else around us. You know, viewing things from his sovereign perspective. Okay. Well, yes. maybe this is pretty temporal, right? On the line of the man, that was so good. Well, you know, I just want to say, I personally can't wait to to read this because there's a lot of books on prayer. You know, I love when someone though today who can relate to today's relational anxieties and struggles and challenges can reskin a great book on prayer. I mean, there are wonderful books, yeah. but I just feel like this for me really just like in that practical one, two, three of a breakdown of here I am. When's the last time you took a statement as simple as here I am and broke it down so dimensionally and so well. So that was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Addison. And I can't wait to dig in. And I just want to end on maybe a note of, you know, for the singles listening today, why do you feel like it's so important for singles, you know, especially before something like an engagement or a marriage or, you know, as you know, becoming a father, like you talk about chaos of life, would you say it's even more important to almost quote, get a head start? Like you have a whole single life that you can build. And this is one of those skills and traits that you have a ton of time, right? You have like very little excuse for honing a prayer. And why is it so important and singleness to get on a rich and vibrant prayer life like this? Yeah. Yeah. And I know singles don't want to hear the cliches from me, right? Like the, you, you know, that <laughs> they're like, come on, it's been a while. You have four kids and you've been married for 15 years. And I, and I and I, and I and I get that I do I get that I'm removed from that season. That that being said, as as I've navigated um, singleness with a lot of friends and navigated a lot of people's transition over the last 15 years um, from their season of being single to their season of marriage, without fail, the ones who transition the best are the ones who enter marriage not looking for the other person to provide a presence or a peace or a power, or a purpose that is only forged in the presence of God and the surety of God without fail. JJ, without, I'm talking different personalities, like different callings, all that. You can bring all those variables into the mix. Without fail, the relationships that do the best and have the best transition from singleness into marriage are those. Without fail. I have never, I've never, JJ, I've never seen an exception. And so it's not, it's not just about you like being a better person or checking the boxes or whatever. I'm just telling y'all, your husband, your children, your purpose, whatever it is down the road will not give you what you think it will give you in those areas. It just, it just won't like, there's always something else. There's always something more. There's, there's always something that we crave because we were made for something more. We just were. And so navigating that tension in the presence and the power and the purpose and the surety of God and that rootedness with God is everything, especially when you're doing it with another person. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so bizarre once you start to think about everything you just said, that we put that God, the sovereign God of the universe size expectation on a human being and we wonder why we're disappointed yeah. with relationship. <laughs> we wonder why we're disappointed with friendship. Like we're wonder why we're disappointed with a yeah. mentor, <laughs> right? It's because we, we, right. we just put these right. enormous, enormous, enormous expectations. So I love that idea of just 
I think the word you used was rootedness, rootedness, right? And God, rootedness mm-hmm. in our prayer life, rootedness in his vision and purpose. And, you know, you used a great example talking about your brother visiting Boston, right? And they're pastors of a small town church. They feel like they're being called to Boston. And I love this idea. And what we can end on is, you know, just because you feel like God might be highlighting something as the answer and the next step or this person, right? Just like you felt like he highlighted Julie. I love that process of evaluating the decision, even after you feel like you hear God's voice, right? And it's almost like this Mm -hmm. wisdom and action are being held in tension together, right? There's wisdom in saying, I think I hear from God, but I'm going to do some evaluation (laughs) instead of telling this girl on the third date. I've had a dream about her and she's the one. (laughs) Yeah. That's normally not a good idea, people. Uh, Yeah. So, so to your point, and this goes back to JJ and I love what you were sharing. This goes back to the idea when we talk about prayer, people hear this and I'm like, I tried that. I tried it. It was lacking. It felt like another thing that I had to do. Not, not the thing that connects the dots in my life. And I, and I just, I just want to, I just want to affirm this. Y'all, it's okay for you to be disappointed with the type of prayer that you've engaged with. I'm telling you, there's a totally different way to engage with God through prayer. And going going back to what you just said, we have this idea of God. Like he's so interested in us doing things and marrying the right person and doing the right calling and do And it, we can bring that transactional idea of God into our prayer. And we start to view prayer as the way that we get the answers from God so we can know what to do. And then it's kind of like, God, get out of my way. I'm going to take care of my life. Like, give me the answers so I can be God over my life. And then I can run and I can have a successful life. I can have a meaningful life. I can have a peaceful life. And the reality is God's like, you know what? The whole point of all this, like, I don't really need you to do stuff. The whole point of all this is actually us connecting and us moving through the struggles and the challenges that come with big decisions and marriage and purpose and calling all of this and coming together Like, that's really what this is about. So when it comes to what you were saying about the wisdom, continue to walk with God through those decisions, not be like, God, I got the answer. Get out of here. I'm good. Continue to be sensitive to the spirit and what God is doing and continuing to invite him into the process. It's so good, man. And and we can wrap on that note, but I, you gave a wonderful example. So often we think about if the destination is the mountaintop. You were in Colorado and you talk about this idea of like, you can't just go straight up, right? There's switchbacks, yeah. right? So first of all, the journey doesn't even look like how we imagine it from A to B. It's more like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, playing ping pong on the switchbacks. <laughs> but two, yeah. you know, you came from Colorado hiking culture. And one of the, one of my favorite opinions on hiking and enjoying hiking is actually not about the destination at the top. It's about the journey along the way. Yeah. And that is what breeds the trials is what breeds the character, the endurance, the patience, the faithfulness. If we live with a God of immediate gratification who answered every prayer in a whim, that wouldn't build much faithfulness <laughs> on either part, right? He would have no he, he would have no place to show that he is always faithful, yes. even when we're not. And we would have no sandbox, no training ground to build faithfulness and perseverance on our end. So I just think you know, one thing that you speak to so clearly, you know, you pick up on things that are often like themes of people's lives mm-hmm. and how they speak about God. And I just think that you you do such a wonderful job pointing to that 
journey of faithfulness on both ends nice instead part. of and embracing that right embracing that canyon and i know the canyon's one of the first chapters of your book so you get into it you don't waste any time <laughs> talking about you know walking through so man i just want to say one last time thank you so much for hopping on i know we're going a little bit over but this was really wonderful and i think you know whether you're single or not your book is so important to the life of a christian growing right and wow. just evolving and leveling up from the morning prayer evening prayer and just i love that idea of just intertwining your whole day right yeah. with god yeah yeah that's good bro well jj thanks for having me on you'll have to tell kate i said hello too okay it was an honor amen bro i appreciate you man i appreciate you too man keep up the good work